with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 1. Exodus, chapter number 1. I'm... prone and, and, and used to getting somewhere and, and taking point one and point two to get you ready and pumped up to hear point three. Uh, most of you know, some of you better than others, it don't take a whole lot to get me pumped up to preach. I, I, don't, I don't need a pulpit and I don't need a church to share what God's told me. Boy, when, when God puts something so, so real in your soul, I can, I can preach in a homeless shelter. I can preach in a holler around coon dogs. Amen. And I got witnesses. Amen right there. It don't take a whole lot to get me fired up to tell you what God said because it's so real to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm usually in a, in a preaching type mode where I'm just, wham, let's get to that and pow. This is, but as I studied and I, I just kept studying and I kept reading and, it, and the more I read, the more God revealed and the more I wrote down and the more I typed out and the more, I mean, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's kind of like when you're chewing on a gristle. Say amen. Or some of y'all, when you're chewing on an oyster, the more you chew, the bigger it gets. Amen. And I, I just kept on, and it just kept get, I, just more stuff. And, and I probably got enough stuff this morning for a three-week series. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm just going to do my best to preach it. Instead of anticipating getting to a certain place, and hey, whoo, number three is great. I want to enjoy the trip this morning. Let's just, let's just take this as it comes and preach as much as we can. And, and I'm going to preach what God lets me this morning. Then if we get through the whole thing, amen. Uh, but if we don't, amen. I'm going to just get what God has for us this morning because there's just so much stuff. God is just so revealing into my heart uh, for what we need here this morning. If you're in Exodus chapter 1, would you, would you stand and say amen? The Bible says in Exodus 1, in verse number 7, Verse number 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. That is a very crucial thing for you to know, and you ought to underline that in your Bible. The Bible says the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there rose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. Joseph was a hero, but he's gone and dead now, and there's somebody else in control who did not know him. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, and lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, uh, they're joined also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Here's the point. Anywhere that God is blessing, the devil is messing. You say, why are we going through what we're going through? Look around. It's not hard to figure out. 
Anywhere that God puts his favor, he said, they are my children. They are the apple of my eye. I'm going to bless them. And anybody that blesses them, I'm going to bless them. Anybody that curses them, I'm going to curse. They are my chosen people. He was blessing them and they were multiplying. And listen, the devil don't like God's children getting blessed. And he's going to come against you. The Bible says in the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. If you'll study the word rigor, it means to break. I mean, they burdened them so point to the point of breaking. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. And their service or all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. In other words, put to the point of breaking. I'm not going to go into the story of Moses. Most of you already know that, so I'm not going to take the time to do that because I'm not here to talk about Moses. I'm here to talk about God and God's children in affliction. But we know in chapter 2 he talks about Moses being delivered as a baby, Moses growing up in Pharaoh's house, Moses deciding, listen, that's not what he wanted. He is there now. And look in verse number 23 of chapter 2. Verse 23 of chapter 2, Moses tries to deliver the children of Israel with a strong arm. He tries to do it on his own. He tries to do it with his own understanding, with his own ability. He tries to deliver them from affliction with his own ability. And he failed miserably. He flees to another place. He goes out and, listen, is out in the wilderness with a priest of Midian. He finds a bride there and is content to stay in that place. But in the process of time, in the process of time, you think God has forgotten you, but it's in the process of time. You think God doesn't know what you're going through, but it's in the process of time. You think that God has abandoned you, but it's just in the process of time. The Bible says in verse 13, And it came to pass in the process of time, that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by the reason of the bondage. And God what? He heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect under them. In other words, he had compassion. He had consideration upon them. Chapter number three. We see Moses is on the backside of the desert. We know this, 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 this thing appears. This bush is on fire, but it will not be consumed. Hallelujah. Say amen. That's that all-consuming fire of God. Listen, it's also a picture of the children of Israel under affliction, yet not being consumed. It's also a picture of Moses who goes as a light to the world who could not be put out. Say amen. See, there's just so much stuff here. I just can't even get it all out. But we see this situation and and this burning bush. And and Moses said, I'm going to turn aside to see this thing. God calls out to him. And this is what he says. Look in verse number, look in verse number, uh, verse number six. When you get there, say amen. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, now, Now watch this, verse number seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I like that, my people. My people, he's still identifying himself with them. 
my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Say that with me. For I, and I am come down to deliver them and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land. He's not going to bring you out unless he plans to bring you in. He's not going to take you away from here without plans to take you there. Now what is the there? It's a land that's large, a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Somebody say amen. Dear Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Gentlemen, start your engine. Say amen. Listen, the children of Israel, they are in affliction. They are in a place of bondage. They are in a place of difficulty. God blesses his people, but the devil ain't going to take it lying down. Anytime, and you know this as well as I do, anytime that God's favor and God's hand is on somebody. You look at Job. You look at David. Listen, you look at all the prophets of old. You look at John the Baptist. You look at Peter and all the disciples. Anybody that was walking with God. Anybody that had the hand, listen, the touch and the hand of God on them. The devil was always around with his fingerprints on things that's happening. He says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I know the devil's real. He said be sober, be for your adversary the devils has a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour I'm well aware that the devil is real today but thank God Almighty greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I may face affliction but God is going to bring us out the children of Israel they were in affliction they were into a place where the Bible said they served with rigor. I mean to the breaking point, to the point they just could not go on again. And they would cry out to God, wondering why had they been abandoned. But you know what? If they knew their history, if they knew their prophecy, God had told Abraham that his people would go to a place of affliction and they would be there 400 years. But God promised to bring them out. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're in. I don't care what your difficulty is. If you are a blood-bought child of God, you belong to Him, and God will bring you out. What is going on, preacher? You may be in the process of time, but even though the process of time is there, the promise of God is still real. You may not see it. You may not feel it, but I'm here to tell you, it's a coming, it's a coming, it's a coming. You may not know when. You may not know how. You may not know where, but I'm here to tell you, God's word will never lie. Amen. Give him praise. Give him praise. Bo, this stuff is cool. I ain't never going to get through this today. It ain't happening. But, mm, number one, I want to I share with you. I want to share with you three things. Maybe I can whet your appetite because I promise you. you, you mm-hmm. Number one, I want you to see the awareness the awareness of affliction. And then the second thing we're going to talk about, maybe not today, maybe tonight, we're going to talk about the aggravation of affliction. How many of y'all know being afflicted is aggravating? Going through this stuff is aggravating. The aggravation of affliction. Now, y'all need to leave plenty room in between them. Are y'all with me? We're going to talk about, the, what was number one? We're going to talk about the, 
the awareness of affliction. Number two, we're going to talk about the, the aggravation. Say that with me. The aggravation in awareness. But then, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I wish I could get this today. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, help me get this. The assurance in affliction. The assurance in affliction. Now, number one. Number one, I want you to read. I want you to read in, 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 in chapter number two. I don't usually, I, I, try, I try my best to take everything that I'm going to preach out of one portion of Scripture so we're not jumping all over the place, but there's no way in the world to do that in this, this particular uh, truth that God wants to show us. But I want to share with you something. The Bible says, while, while his children were being afflicted, God was well aware of their situation. They didn't know it. They didn't feel it. They could not even tell he was around. They had no idea what they, listen, what was happening. Do you realize when you are being afflicted, when you are being pushed to the breaking point, when that enemy comes into your life and he is pressing you to the breaking point, he said that they were, their lives was with rigor to the point of breaking. Do you realize that there is no way in the world you can see anything? Listen, we get to the place that nothing matters. Nothing is important because I can't stand it anymore. They were at the breaking point. But I promise you this, God knew. God was aware. The Bible says in chapter 2, in chapter 2, in verse 23, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked, say that with me, and God, and God upon the children of Israel and God had respect to them. Look in verse number 7. Look in verse number 7 of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse number 7. He is speaking to Moses. Listen, this is the bulk of point number 1. Uh, he is speaking to Moses. He said, listen, I've got a job for you to do. I've got a responsibility for you to take care of. He said, look, I want you to know something in verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Now, number or A, if you're writing this down, you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Under the awareness and affliction, I want you to see this. I want you to see the involvement that it implied. The involvement that it implied. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Some of us feel that God has abandoned us. Some of us feel, some, some people go around and tell folks that, that God has just turned this world loose and, and God has just set this earth in, into motion and is letting it be, letting it do whatever it says and it's just all out there on their own. But I'm here to tell you, God is involved in your life. God is involved in your circumstances. You are not walking alone. You may not feel Him. You may not can hear Him. But I'm here to tell you, God is involved in your life. He says, I have looked on my people. The Bible says this. It says, he said, I have seen, which that means it implies that he is looking. He is looking. He is looking. Hey, hey, he cares enough about you to take time out of his schedule of keeping the earth spinning, keeping the sun is shining, keeping the rain of falling. God has took enough time out of his schedule to look upon you and see your need. 
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro this earth. Are y'all with me? It says run to and fro in the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. What are you saying? God's eye is on me. Anything I go through, God's eye is watching me. He is taking care of me. He is watching over me. I may face it, but I won't face it alone. I won't face it by myself because his eye is on the sparrow. Say amen. And if the sparrow is of importance to God, thank God Almighty, his children, he's watching over them. He said, I've seen them. And if he's seen them, he was looking for them. He was involved. Listen, we see the involvement that it implied. Involvement that it implied. Put that verse up, if you, if you will. Brother, Brother Barnes, verse 7. Watch this here. Watch this here. The involvement that it implied. It says, And the Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. Read that sentence. For, say it again. Not only do we see the, the involvement that that implied, but then, write this down, the identification it insinuated. There's folks that come to my office broken, in tears. And Brother Kenneth, all I can say is I'm sorry. But I do not have the ability to say, I understand. I've made that mistake before. And they say, well, how can you understand? Have you lost a spouse? Have you lost a child? Have you gone bankrupt? Has your wife cheated on you? Has your husband messed around? Are y'all with me? And I'd have to say, I, I, I can't, I can't. But you know what God is saying this morning? Whatever you're going through, I understand. Whatever you're facing, I feel what you feel. Give me, give me that verse under there, Brother Barnes. Watch this here. Preacher, I'm in grief. Watch what the Bible says about Isaiah 53. He is despised. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow. Say that with me. A man of and. Y'all understand what that's saying? Grief and suffering and sorrow is nothing new to him. That's all he ever had his entire life on this planet. He is a man that's acquainted with grief. He is well aware of the sorrow. Don't you understand that the Bible says that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was when all points touched as we are, he has gone through everything we have faced. He has seen that. He went through that so he could relate to us. He experienced that torture. He experienced that suffering. He experienced that bleeding. He experienced that, listen, that being mauled like an animal and being butchered like just a, a regular fugitive and a criminal and he went through it so that one day he could stand before the Father he could stand before God Almighty he could stand before the judge of the universe and say Father bless Bo because I know what he's going through I know what he's feeling I've hurt like he hurts he needs help 
You know the best advocate in the world is one that's been through what you've been through? You know who will fight the worst for your cause, the one that has experienced the pain that you've experienced because they will fight because I know what they're going through. I know what they're feeling. Bless God, I'm going to do everything I can because I've been where they are. I'm going to fight for them. Well, I'm glad I've got a man on the inside who has heard like I heard. He has cried like I've cried. He has felt what I've felt. And he knows what I am. He knows what I feel. He knows what I'm going through. And he's on my side. We've got a man on the inside named Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, the Lord, and He can identify with our pain. He said, I've not only seen them, I know what they're going through. I know their sorrow. I know their pain. I know what they're feeling. Moses, I'm calling you because I know what they're going through. Sure, say amen. The awareness and affliction. You need to know God's aware. He knows what's going on. He knows what you feel. You know, you got to get this too. You got to know He's okay with how you feel. He's okay when you're mad at Him. He's okay. When you're confused and you don't understand him. You know why? Because he's been there. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that when we get there in our affliction, in our pain, in our suffering, he says, I understand. So don't let the devil throw a guilt trip on you. When you said things in your pain, in your affliction... That you really didn't mean. You meant it at the time. He said, I understand. I can identify with that. The awareness in our affliction. We see the, what was A? Say it with me. We see the, the involvement it implies. Then B, we see the, but then watch this. I want you to write this down. Write this down. C, the interceding. <laughs> oh, help us. <clears throat> says in verse number 8 he said I'm looking at him I'm aware of what's going on I know the sorrows watch what verse 8 says and I am come down to deliver him what what was it that got God to intervene it was their affliction God is attracted to weakness he said because they're hurting because they're suffering because the devil is tormenting them here I come the Bible says that Stephen was a man of God full of faith in the Holy Ghost. He was a man that had the anointing of God. He preached the word of God with power. They did not take the message. They did not accept what he had to say. And the Bible said they gnashed upon him with their teeth. I mean, they got so mad at his sermon, they went to biting on him. I ain't never had that happen yet. Amen. 
I mean, went to biting on him and gnawing on him and was angry with what he said. But all he did was preach the truth. And the Bible said they raised up stones and began to stone him and began to kill him. And he said, I looked up into heaven. Hallelujah. He said, I looked up into heaven and I saw God standing on the right hand of the Father. You say, why is that important? Because the Bible said when God went up, he sat down down on the right hand of the Father which represents a finished work of redemption but but when one of his children was going through affliction when one of his children was being tortured and suffering when just one of them was being afflicted the Bible said I can't sit for this no longer I gotta stand up on my child's behalf God will get involved in your situation He said, I saw him standing. He wasn't sitting. He's a standing. God's going to stand by me. When the world abandons you, when your feelings fail you, God will stand by you. Hallelujah. Say amen. I'm going to get to get the point too. Amen. What time is it? What time? Anybody got a quiet? Anybody got a quiet? We don't care. Well, I don't. I sure don't care. Number two. Number two, what was number one? Say it with me real loud. We see number one, we see the. Then number two, I want you to see the. Okay. Why don't we all try that at one time? Number two, we see the. How many of y'all know it's easy to say amen When that whip ain't coming across your back. Man said, I finally got to where I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. He said, I found out it was a train. How many of y'all feel like that sometimes? It's easy to say amen in here. What about when that baby's taking too long to be born? What about when you're sitting in that doctor's office and, 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 and you're waiting for them to un, 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 open that envelope and tell what that test said? What about when you're sitting in the hospital room and waiting for them to take life support off? What about when you're sitting in the courtroom waiting to see whether the judge going to be merciful or not sometimes I say sometimes all the time all the time affliction is aggravating it's aggravating why is it aggravating preacher didn't didn't they know that God said that they would face it and come through it yeah they knew all that stuff didn't they know that God had promised he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that, that they would have to go through affliction, but they was going to come out. Didn't they know all? Yeah, they knew all that stuff. Just like I know God will provide. Yet when that bill comes, I'm still... <laughs> I know God said he's going to take care of us, but what when that... Now, some of us need to take our halos off and put it in our pocket right now. And get off our spiritual high horse and, and, and realize we all get aggravated with our affliction. 
But why is affliction aggravating? Because, write this down, A, and we're going to have one, two, three under that. A, the delay, the divine delay. You know what, Brother Kenneth? I usually want what I want now. You know what I, what's aggravating about affliction? Because I don't get what I want when I want it. When I had that kidney stone, when I had that kidney stone, and I come home and I, I, and, and, and I went and took a shower and, and that didn't help, and I went and, and I got in bed for about five seconds. And I said, no, this dog ain't hunting right here. I, I, I got to go. My wife said, uh, j- just let me get dressed and I'll get the kids up and, then I, and I'll take it. I said, uh-uh. I got to go. I run and got my truck balled up in the seat. I mean, I just all curled up. Just, oh, and drove. Why? I ain't waiting because I'm hurting. How I many of y'all sat in that waiting room at the emergency room? Sign your name and get in line. How about I bust you right in the mouth? Would you like that? <laughs> Yeah, you might as well clap, because you thought it. I just said it, but you thought it. And then they say, what seems to be the problem? If I knew that, I wouldn't be here. You sit, and you sit, and you hurt, and you hurt, and you sit, and you sit, and you hurt, and you hurt. And then they move you into the room. You said, I'm finally going to get some help. And then you wait there for three days. tell you something waiting ain't no friend of mine it's aggravating when we pray and it seems like God don't do nothing anybody with me on that they're crying out to God and say don't you see what's happening and he did and you want to say can't you feel it he he, he said "I, I do but watch this, y'all. You got to get this. You got to get this. I almost didn't do anything else but this one part because this is, this is the critical part of the message. God will never delay without a divine purpose. Watch this. When I seen this, I said, oh. Write this down. Number one. Why? Why? Did God delay in delivering the children of Israel? He had planned on do it. He had promised to do it. But why did he wait so long to do it? Watch this. Number one, write this down. He was developing meekness in his servant. And I'm 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 going to pull it all together and tie the bow. Moses stood up against the afflictor and defended the afflictee. But he did it in his own ability, in his own power, like many of us try to do, and realize we will fail miserably. He did not deliver the children of Israel at the time they requested it because his servant was not ready yet. 
God had to send Moses to the backside of the desert to get him to a place where he was ready to bring deliverance. Preacher, what are you saying? In the process of time, did y'all, did y'all get that part? In the process of time, there is always a process of time. God is always moving behind the scenes. He's always putting here to get that, to bring it together, to move around. All we can see is our pain. All we can see is our sorrow. All we can see is our suffering. But we cannot see what God is doing behind the scenes. God is never idle. He is never in neutral. He is never in park. He's always a moving. He's always a doing. He is working all things for our behalf. He could not move because his man wasn't ready. So he had to put him back on the desert for 40 more years. Delay. Now watch this. You say, well, that's somebody else. I don't have nothing to do with me. Oh, but, but watch. God said, in that time of delay, I was developing meekness in my servant. But number two, watch this right here. He was delivering motivation in his saints. And this is the one I want you to put stars around and highlight and circle and, and, and everything. Blinking lights. Blinkity, blinkity, blink. Now watch. Man, this come from heaven. Bo, I'm telling you, this stuff is straight from God. Wait till them boys get in the woods with me now. Amen. Watch this. As long as everything was lovely in Egypt, they would have never left. God has a place for His people. Say that with me. God has a... But until we get sick and tired of where we are, we ain't going to get to where he wants us to be. I'm preaching this morning. What are you saying? What are you saying? That lost person is a drunk in the gutter. God don't want him there. God's not willing any should perish, but they all should come to repentance. God has a place of redemption. God has a place of rejoicing. God has a place of blessing for that person. Every single man in that homeless shelter, God has a place for them. But until they get sick and tired of their condition, until they get sick and tired of where they are, they're never going to get up to get where God wants them to be. You say, how do you know that? Because even through the wilderness... Even through the wilderness, they kept talking about going back. And God said, I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey. But he had to get them tired and weary and frustrated of where they were. He said, I want you to hate where you are at. God wants you to hate the place of sin or not just the place of sin. Everybody ain't in sin. Sometimes people are satisfied where they're at and they won't move unless God pokes them. It's not always sin. Listen, the Bible says Moses was content 
to dwell with the man. And sometimes as a Christian, we get content. We get satisfied. We get in an old rut. And we don't want to move till God has to afflict us to get us to be where He wants us to be. Why am I going through this? Because God wants to get you from where you are to where He wants you to be. Because in that rut, you're not blessed. In that rut, you're not going to experience joy. In that rut, in that place where you are, you're not going to get everything God has for you. You're not going to have the land of milk and honey. But I'm here to tell you, honey, if you'll get tired of where you are, sometimes that mama eagle has to take the feathers out of that nest. Listen, that nest will poke them baby eaglets to get them to fly. God's tired of you walking on the ground like a buzzard. God's getting you ready to soar like an eagle. But it takes them baby eagles getting ooh, 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 ah, ooh. That mama eagle, she'll always kill them animals and put that fur down in that nest to keep them baby eagles comfortable. But when it comes time to fly, she starts taking that stuff that's soft and and cuddly and, and it'll take it out. Those sticks start poking up through. And them baby eagles are being afflicted. Not because mama hates them. But because mama wants to look up and see them flying. Like an eagle. I don't know if y'all know how good I'm preaching this morning. I heard a preacher say one time, I'm going to buy my own tape. Amen. Amen. Hey, I've been praying. And and God ain't doing this for me. God's doing this for you. I've been begging God, please give me something to help. Because I'm I'm too stupid to to be able to figure it out. God, give me something to help them. They deserve better than God, give me something. And you know what? He is. Some of you is in sin. God's afflicting you. Not because he hates you. Not because he just wants to pick on you. Because he's got a better place for you to be. And until you get sick of where you are, you ain't going to get up and go to it. Prodigal son. The prodigal son, as long as he had money in his pocket, he was in a foreign land. As long as he had money to spend, he was out there sinning. As long as he had everything okay, he was living it up and living a riotous living. But you let that old boy get broken in the hog pen. You let him get afflicted a little while. That psalmist said, I was glad when I was afflicted because I wasn't doing right and now I am. The prodigal son, whoa, what's wrong with me? It says when he came to himself, he'd have never come to himself unless he was afflicted. Bless God, my daddy's got enough bread to spare and I'm sitting here hungry. How stupid can I be? I'm going home. But he'd have never done that with money in his pocket. See? God was allowing him to be afflicted to develop meekness in a servant, but not only that, to deliver motivation in a saint. So when I ain't sinning, maybe you're satisfied. Maybe you've been in a rut. Maybe you're not growing I, I used to read Muscle and Fitness. And 
I know y'all can tell. I used to get up on Sunday morning. Lee Haney. Anybody ever heard of Lee Haney? Y'all ever heard of Lee Haney? I know you have, Taylor. Lee Haney. I mean, he's got a waist about that big and got a chest as wide as this auditorium. Man, I used to get up and watch him. Boy, he'd work out. Just, I mean, he had lumps all over his body. Just growed up. And I would listen intently. But I was always a hearer of the word and not a doer at that time. I'm working on that, amen? But they said sometimes when you're working out, you would get at a place, a plateau. And you seem wouldn't get stronger or, or, or you wouldn't get bigger or, or things... And you had to almost shock your body, do something radical to get you over that hump. Are y'all seeing where I'm going? Sometimes even in a healthy body, even in, in, in saints of God that are living right and being blessed, sometimes we hit that wall and we don't grow no more. So God has to afflict us, not to hurt us, but to get us to that place of abundance. See, they had leeks and garlics in Egypt, but God said, I want you to have honey and milk. But they'd have never got there unless they were afflicted. My. And and let me just say this one, and we're going to do number three tonight. Number three tonight. Oh, help us, Jesus. I'm coming out. Oh, boy, Johnny, I done gave you a little nugget on that. Don't you tell nobody. God will let you have a sinus cold. Amen? (laughs) Listen, God delays because he's developing meekness in his servant. But also, he's developing motivation in his saints. But then number three, he is displaying mercy in his sovereignty. The Bible says, did I put that verse underneath there about... The, 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 the iniquity is not full. Did I put that on there? Let me see if I put it on my note. The Bible says in Genesis 15, 13, and this is when he was telling Abram before it ever happened. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out. Say say amen right there. They shall come out with great substance, and and thou shalt go to their fathers in peace, or thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Now, Now read verse 16 with me. Read verse 16 with me. But... Watch this. The place that God was taking them was inhabited by sinners. It was inhabited by wicked, ungodly people who did very ungodly things. How many of y'all are with me? Stay with me. Don't lose me now. I know, I, I know I'm not as loud as I was a while ago. But stay with me on this. The place that God was taking them. And he would say this, when you go in, I want you to destroy everything. Because how many of y'all know the world will infect you? And I've heard people say, I've heard people say, well, that's terrible. That, boy, that's, 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 how could God be so mean? 
Well, see, you don't even understand. God allowed His children to be afflicted 400 years to give those nations time to repent. And the reason God was delaying their deliverance was not because He hated them, not because He didn't care, not because he did not understand. It was because he was showing mercy to them other nations and giving them a chance to change their ways. You say, why does that matter to me? This is why it matters. Everybody, this way, this way, this way. When you're being afflicted and you're praying and it seems like God's not answering, you've got to learn this. It's not all about you. I know that's like a punch in the gut. I know that. I didn't like to hear it myself when God told me. God, why am I going through this? He said, son, it's not all about you. I'm doing some other things with other people, and you're just going to have to be patient until I get through with them. And for instance, when, when I resigned Long Branch, when I resigned Long Branch, Miss Kathy, you've been there. You remember being there. I was so miserable. I lived in Johnston, South Carolina. Didn't even have a Walmart. I mean, what place don't have a Walmart? Say amen. Had one red light. It was Mayberry, USA. And they didn't even have big enough to have a Barney fight. My wife was happy as can be. She liked that kind of thing. I was used to coon hunting. I mean, that was my out. Couldn't even coon hunt. Wasn't even around. Nobody did coon hunt. I was miserable. I, I'd complain. I'd complain to Preacher Brown. I'd complain to God. I'd complain to anybody sitting there. I don't know why. I know God's hands on me. I know God's called me. Why won't God put me where he wants me to be? Why can't I? But see, the whole time, that I felt like I was in my affliction here. God was getting temple ready for me. And you know what? Brother Donnie, y'all didn't really appreciate some things y'all went through. You didn't like it and you didn't understand it. Why is this happening? Why does it have to why did this have to leave? Why did I have to go? Why da why da why da why da why? And and the whole time you was letting it work and God was saying, just be patient. He's coming. And you're gonna like him. I hope. Brother Mickle, I know y'all shed some tears. Trying to figure out what in God's name is going on. Why is it working out this way? Well, I wasn't ready yet. And you wasn't ready for me. But when God got me ready, and God got you ready, I sang Sweet Home Alabama. See, God had to show me, it's not all about me. A lot of times in life, we get to that place we think it is. But see, in that delay, he was working on Moses. 
in that delay, he was getting the children of Israel where they were sick and tired of where they were, so they would want to leave. And in that delay, he was having mercy on that nation and all those nations to let them have time to get right. Isn't it amazing all that God's doing at the same time? I promise you this. You do not, you do not want to miss tonight. You do not. Because, see, I got a second sub under number two that's a pow. I mean, it's just a good one. And then all three subs under number three is what we're going to talk about tonight. But you need to understand, God's aware of what you're going through. And God is doing things, no matter how aggravating it is in the delay, God's got a plan. Church, say amen. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Please help us today. Lord, I appreciate, I appreciate how you've been helping us and 